Blog Talk Radio. I am your Encantress, Hedera Bindwood. This evening I am joined by Bradwick, our lead engineer. Say hey. Hey. <laughs> and then we have our lead antagonist, Neve Lackenbrook. Say hey. Neve. Hello? She might be gone. Well, we can't antagonize if we don't have a lead antagonist, I suppose. I was um, in the green room. Green room. But you're not now. You're on the show live. Hello. Hey, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? I'm fantastic. Thank you. How's downstairs looking? Uh, I don't know. I'm in my room. Okay, well, that's there's that. Downstairs, actually, you know, downstairs, downstairs looks amazing because I cleaned the entire house, top to bottom. I exercised so many frustration demons out. Like, no, I, got Irish. I cleaned everything. So cleaning so, is your is your pressure valve. I would say yeah. Because after I release that pressure valve, usually when you release any pressure valve, there's some kind of, like, fallout, mostly socially. But when I release this this pressure valve, things get better because my house is now clean. Well, see, and it's funny about using cleaning. And all the Virgos who are listening and all the clean freak folks out there who are listening understand that it's it's very gratifying because you can see instantaneous results and as my lead antagonist knows cl- a clean house doesn't talk back it can't it can't throw you at it too once it's clean it's clean until of course you know someone comes along and wrecks it anyway bradwick yeah. Hello. Are you snoozing? What are you doing? I am enjoying uh, being here with you on a new night. How's this for a Monday evening? It feels like a Friday, but on a Monday. <laughs> I mean, honestly, this is our this is our seventh show, technically. Um, but it's week 33 and a half from quarantine where I have at this point completely lost my time and date stamp in terms of my mental inventory. So to me, you tell me it's a Monday and I'm like, all I know is that it's the same as it always was. Yes. That is a talking heads (laughs) lyric. Um, But, um, Election Eve, which is different than election night, but election Eve. And there's a lot of magic that goes on with that. 
I mean, would you all agree? I would agree. Yeah, yes, she says with that. a mouth of fried rice. <laughs> I'm hungry. Yes, I understand. But this is our seventh episode. It's happening at week 33.5 of quarantine. Um, but yes, please do tune in again on Friday. Tune in. That's not what people say. What are they saying now? Listen to the podcast on Friday because you don't have to tune anything. Um, show up on Friday. We'll do some more venting and processing. It's like this is going to be the topic um, for the next little while because it directly affects um, everyone's life at this point. It's not like, you know, it's just some casual thing you can disregard. It's totally not that. But um, I want to thank everyone for your support for the podcast so far. Um, The messages we've been receiving, all the emails that we've been getting, um, and the feedback and the questions, they are really helpful to gauge where the community is at. And by community, I mean the pagan, witchcraftian, occultist, um, any type of practitioner of the pre-Abramaic arts um, is welcome to listen in. The conversation does revolve around topics that directly impact all of our lives. Um, And it's where we can grapple with some hard issues or share some levity, which it looks like we're going to be in dire need of over the next few months at least. Um, But I just wanted to lead with thank you for supporting the show and communicating with us. If you do want to, because I know that there are folks who listen to the live show generally on Fridays, but tonight on Monday, um, but you can also download the podcast if you are not able to listen in live at 8 p.m. on Fridays. Um, you can download it from wherever you get your podcasts, whether that's uh, Apple or Spotify or Stitcher. What am I forgetting, Bradwick? Um, what, those are my main. Where else? Yeah, in pretty much anywhere you get your podcast, you can find us. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So, um, and we do have our own Facebook page, and Bradwick and I, um, and our lead antagonist Neve, we are uh, the ones who read the Incantation Nation Facebook page, and we certainly do accept messages and questions and queries and comments um, or even show topics. So if you want to get a hold of us, there's Incantation Nation 2020 at yahoo.com is our email. And then Facebook page is just Incantation Nation. And you can specify who your question is for or you can just make it general, whatever you choose. Um, because we moved our show, our Samhain show on Friday, to this evening, um, I would like to 
I've invited a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine. His name is Sirius, and I've asked him to join me in this discussion because he is someone with whom I have gotten mystical and do not read anything into that word. Um, We have been friends for, I'm going to say, the better part of a decade now. That sounds really strange, but it's nonetheless true. Um, but he is where I go when I need to say some chaotic shit, and he helps me sort out my chaotica, but I definitely wanted his input on Samhain this year, so I would love to introduce my friend Sirius. How are you? I am good. How about yourself? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Are you feeling serious? Serious? <laughs> uh, you don't hear that too often. No, never. And I didn't anticipate that at all when I chose that name. So, um, no. How uh, are you? I, I don't know how. We can't hear yeah, you I'm that not, well. I'm not sure how. Can you hear me? Can you, can you? Not very well. Can you move closer to your phone? Yes. Are you there? I think. How how was that? This is way better. This is perfect. Beautiful. Okay. Good. Now to see how not to have. Okay. Uh, So you asked me if I was serious. I know you were joking, but honestly, it's it's very difficult to not be. I think to some degree, given uh, the events of this week. Ten days has aged me. Six years. I mean, I don't. I don't think I'm alone in that. I, I, I think everyone's feeling the the weight of uh, this year. I mean, hell, within the first three months, um, we were ready for 2021. Yeah. Do you agree? Absolutely. So it's been a what I would like go ahead. What I would like to do <clears throat> to open up the show because the format of the show is gonna be split. So the first half of the show we're going to be discussing Samhain and how Samhain is different this year and how the occurrences of the year generally always flavor um, the Samhain holiday, um, but how this year in particular has been different. But what I would like to do before we discuss Samhain and then move on to this being election night and how Samhain influences election night this year, I would like to open with a, a prayer to Hella. Hail Hell, the Hidden One, Lady of Helheimer, daughter of Loki and Angraboda, beautiful and harrowing goddess of death. You who resides in the radiant halls of the sacred keep of Elhudnir, who graciously collects the straw dead, accept and make your welcome 
into your queendom, our many kin, this night. Fierce wielder of hunger and famine, the house warder, the guardian of graves, rider of hellhest, and deliverer from sickness, grant reprieve to the sufferers and take into your tender care those whom we so love. Known well by us now, here in our humbled village, that you yet stand on the mound, resolved, without remorse, to see your task dutifully served over again on the morrow. We honor you, Hela. We mark your words in our songs. We ask your generosity to our fallen and that no force should stay your hand raised with all wrath against those most foul to avenge these wrongful deaths. Hail Queen Hell, who keeps our stolen dead. Hail the Cold One, who greets tyrants at their end. And hail the voices old way. That is my prayer to Hella. And what I would like to do, serious, is ask you, how do you, how do you feel that Samhain this year, do you feel that it was for you? Um and we have talked about some of those ways, and certainly you don't have to share all of them. But Samhain this year felt different early in the year. I knew it was going to be a different Samhain, but have you noticed that this Samhain is different in the magic of Ancestors Night? And if so, could you talk about that and how so? I muted myself. I apologize. Um, so, yeah, I can answer the question, I think, from a couple of different perspectives. Um, I think, the, you know, the most personal one is that my, my mother passed on earlier this year. And so this is the first, this was the first um, Stalin with, you know, without her physical presence, you know, here on the right. plane. Um, and so, you know, when, when I was doing the, uh, the Samhain ritual, uh, this past weekend, part of it was reading off our litany of the dead. And there was, you know, those who had passed on from our group and then those right. who personal to us. And, you know, reading off my father's name and my mother's name together right. as as ancestors. You know, it was, was very. Uh, I almost didn't make it through it. It was. Uh, it was that, that recognition. You know, that kind of that I, I moved into the elder position, so to speak. You know, of the of the family, <laughs> I guess. Right. Yeah. I'm just like, what? yeah. I'm still 18. Um, <laughs> 
sure. <laughs> right. And uh, I think to say energetically is probably not the right word, but, you know, Magic. this year, I mean, yeah, th- this year, I mean, there's 200,000 people have passed over. Yeah. You know, and that's a lot of people who are still alive with new ancestors to welcome and, 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 and pain and grief and sorrow that they're still feeling because this is all still fresh. This has all happened since, you know, you know December or, or January of this year. Yeah. And, uh, and, and and additionally, I mean, we we've got. Uh, it's, I know I know some people some people feel differently about Mercury being in Gatorade, but you know, <laughs> if you're affected by Mercury and <laughs> Gatorade, um, you, you have that going on, right? Until like tomorrow, and then you have one of the probably, in my opinion, the most important election of my lifetime. Um, at least that that's what it feels like, anyway. Um, happening tomorrow. <laughs> so yeah. to say that this Samhain was different, and, 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 oh, let's not forget those of us who actually still aren't gathering in groups who have the rituals virtually right now. So yeah. it's very this year was yeah yeah it, it's it's almost dissociative, you know. There's this experiencing personally the traumas of this year, Um, and there have been many um, assaults on on our sanctity and our frames of mind and our senses of security, um, and because we are listening to the everything and that's listening with a capital L it's all at once overwhelming but creates this sharpness of perspective at the same time so it's it's like trying to be a pinpoint of light while being the endless black sky. It's like, uh, I've got to figure out how to do all of this. It's embodying the moment. Yeah. 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 Um, Did you perceive, because I know that you've relocated from North Carolina to the Virginia coast, how has this year, um, between COVID, between your relocation, and you've gone from a mountain lifestyle to a coastal lifestyle, that's got to be overwhelming, to say the least. Yeah, I, I think... I think I moved here probably almost two years ago at this point, Mm -hmm. almost around two years ago. And, you know, that was to be closer to my mother while she was here. 
And um, right. yeah, it, it was a huge shift. It was the first last winter, I guess, I guess a year and a half ago, whenever. Last winter was uh, uh, really difficult because I, I right. moved here and all of a sudden the skyline, you know, I, I, I'd been used to a mountain skyline for 22 years. And so now there was nothing. <laughs> and so, right. the, uh, yeah, the air pressure is different. Open. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. open. Talk- and there's all that blue space. And it's like, it felt like there was something missing. And so I, I really, I did, I went through like this, you know, kind of seasonal depression and, right. you know, having to adjust to working remotely. And so, yeah, so all of a sudden I was around all these people I had known for 20 years. And then I was around like two or three people that, you know, I knew. And so right. that was kind of, I guess I kind of got a head start on the whole virtual connecting aspect with Zoom and, working from home and so like yeah so like when we actually had quarantine I was already like you know on the ball with that and so I was kind of able to you know ease into it easier than my my co-workers um right but yeah it's a very space and I I feel I feel lucky to be at the exact location that I'm at um I mean I I don't put quarantine in in a better spot than I'm at right now but yeah, I'm, if you're asking me if I missed a mountain, <laughs> would be. Well, I guess my 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 question is more to you know being coastal at during sowing season. Oh, um, oh, 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 right, 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 right. and yeah. melding the magic. Like, for example, I was um, born and raised in New England and actually at the foot of the northern edge of the Appalachian mountain chain. So I'm at the northern extreme. The southern is down here. But the magic to me is similar because it's still wooded, it's still trees, it's still these huge glacier place rocks that, you know, only the land whites and the elementals could move. Um, And so my relationship to the seasons and the landscape hasn't really changed because I Mm. still find the same magic intact and so Shawan for me is still signaled by dry leaves and black winds and nights that just howl and signal the wild hunt what is it like to celebrate Shawan coastally have you perceived any change in your relationship with the land magic coastally? Well, to, I mean, I cel- well, so I celebrated Salem virtually this year. So, you know, the connection that you're making virtually, you know, you, you, you're connecting 
via the miles energetically with those right. people in your group. And so that felt the same as far as, you know, that part. Um, so I, I have not really associated or worked mm-hmm. with or kind of identified with the ocean energy in Samhain yet. Um, Samhain to me hmm. still feels like deciduous trees and, you know, um, a blanket, you know, in the forest of fallen leaves and, um, and, and of course, you know, clear skies at night and stars and, and the moon. The yeah. interesting thing, though, right where I'm at, I have a really good sky view of, like, like part of the sky and luckily, like, where, you know, the moon is in transit. And so I, I've actually gotten to spend more time with Luna here than I did in the mountains because, mm-hmm. you know, it was so wooded where I was at. So right. that has helped me still feel connected to that type of energy. Um, mm-hmm. But the, 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 the overall energy here is so different because, to, to, and I, to me, the energy of the sea, like especially where I'm at, feels so transient. Yeah. It, it's hard to imagine because the ocean's been there forever, right? But but there's always movement. Energy's always kind of moving in and rolling out, not, I mean, obviously the tide. But, I mean, there's this kind of, the, the wind's kind of always blowing a little bit, you know, and, like, there's the water right. coming in, the water going always just shifting and changing and the mountains right. wasn't like that you know everything was solid and, and still and so i am still in the process of connecting to this ocean energy uh, from a magical perspective um right i feel like i think that's just going to take time and immersion truthfully as a child we would always um take day trips to the beach and uh, my mother was, her magic was very, still is very solar. She is all brass, all bravado, very mouthy. You can see where I, where I get this um, and where our lead antagonist gets it too. But I was only ever coastal during the spring or summer months. And so I have, I have never spent a Samhain on the coast. And I would actually love to hear from uh, listeners of Incantation Nation to tell us what Samhain is like personally. I would love to hear from you all, um, whether you're uh, coastal England or the northwest, you know, Pacific coast of the United States. I would love to hear from people for whom their sound experience is coastal or, you know, even mm. from folks whose sound is in the middle of their country. And so it's neither hilly nor is it, you know, oceanic. Perhaps they do lake magic. Um, perhaps they're in wide open Plains states, um, but I would love to get feedback from listeners to hear more about their personal practice um, with as it relates to you know worshiping this Sabbath. Um, and yeah, it would make sense, serious, that you would have a stronger lunar 
magic being right there at the water's edge. Um, I'm super envious of that, but arguably I do get to see um, the beloved moon rise over the tree line here at my house. Um, My house faces east, and so when she rises, it's always this big, grandiose reveal and it's like, uh, you know, I just go wobbly and sniveling. Sometimes there's even snot bubbles. It's, you know, it depends where I'm at. There's some Samhain's that are uh, easier to manage <laughs> than other Samhain's. Um, I'm sure you can relate to that. Um, but I think that land and location, not just physically, but magically and spiritually as well, flavors how we observe the Samhain holiday. Would you agree? Yeah, and, and I, I do agree with that. I think, I think for for me personally, it, it takes a while for me to connect with any space that is new. Um, right. And, you know, for years I've been doing Salwin, you know, at Adriana's house at her little circle with a real small group of people. And so, you know, there was kind of this, you know, sweet kind of a feeling that I'd always look forward to, you know, for Salwin. Mm-hmm. And this year it was very different. And like that wasn't part of, I mean, we got together, you know, virtually, and that was great. Um, but it's not the same thing as, you know, freezing your butt off, um, you know, uh, <laughs> late night <laughs> right. outside. So let me so let me ask you more about that because there are some practitioners of craft that that have um, only ever experienced witchcraft and Samhain magic at certain times of the year and some of them only virtually or online. Um, You and I are old enough to remember a time (laughs) when such things were not possible and magic was generated in person with others and it electrifies the space and creates a place between places at a time outside of time. What, what changes do you think the coronavirus and COVID has had or taken place um, with ritual magic? What parts of ritual do you feel, um, What are the costs and the rewards, do you think, to being, you know, doing ritual virtually? I mean, obviously, we can't join up together, but what do you think is lost, but also what has Hmm. surprised you that you've gained? That's an excellent question. Um, (laughs) 
So I don't want to I don't want to answer this and come across like I'm saying one is better than the other. Um, sure. No, these are just I your know, observance. Yeah, yeah, these are my observance, and I know people who feel both ways. I mean, I don't really know anybody that feels like that virtual is better than in person, but I knew, do know people who feel like that in person is better than virtual, and I think those have been the people who have been the most difficult to kind of win over to this virtual for some, if I'm speaking from like, like the local coven kind of perspective, you know, there are some groups that wouldn't have gotten together at all this year had it not been for Zoom, right? And I I mean, I think obviously one of the things you lose is that in-person kind of tactile experience um, that, uh, you know, feeling in-person connection with other people. And so obviously that you lose that on a virtual, right? But virtually you, you can still see them and you can still hear them. And what I, when I, when I participated in the first virtual ritual that I had done way back earlier this year, I think it was Beltane. Beltane the first one? No, 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 no. Sorry. Ostara. I think it was the first first, (laughs) Jesus. Wow. We've done a few now, haven't we? Um, so whatever the first one was, you know, my group back in Asheville had never done live virtual rituals via like a Zoom kind of a, 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 a format. Um, yeah. I think Rihanna had done some things, you know, like there, there's a, a Facebook live camera thing going on, you know, like with like actually like transmitting like the outdoor what's happening, but not – in the sense, we're all like gathering together like a Brady Bunch on a screen, and right. looking at each, other and then like trying to connect. And the thing that I mean, like I guess, like you you know it's true, but until you actually experience it, like you don't like know it's true. But we were when we reached out to each other, and we put ourselves in that kind of visualization space of standing together. Okay in the small circle again, and we reached out and, like, grabbed each other's hands, like, you know, in, in, in this visualization space. Um, right. It energetically felt actually standing at Lady Rihanna's house with these people. Nice. And it was, it was, like, I couldn't believe how similar it actually felt. And I could still feel my... Coveners, just like I was standing beside them, and I was like, "What the hell?" Like I'm like, I realize well, I'm probably going to get this wrong. This isn't very sciencey, but to say that we're quantumly kind of entangled, right? Um, don't make me support right. that with science. Can't. But that's the best <laughs> way I can. Feel that when we like connected with each other with intent, we could actually right. feel that circle form over the miles. So it's like we created our own virtual space within a virtual space. How meta is that? Yeah, that's way meta. That's like Spice <laughs> Navigator level meta. <laughs> um, do you feel like having a virtual Samhain because of COVID has 
allowed members to develop almost a forced um, proficiency at projecting themselves into the ritual or the circle space. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've participated in a number of virtual ritual spaces since the beginning of the year with my group and with other groups. And, you know, there was definitely some like rusty wills and stuff, you know, that had to be, you know, oiled at first and people weren't really sure about it. But the more that we have done it and the more I've seen others do it, now it's becoming like secondhand and people are connecting, at least from my perspective, I see that people are connecting with each other much easier. And even those who were kind of technologically averse with come around right. to this space, I think because they actually see and have actually experienced that you can have a meaningful ritual, a meaningful celebration, um, and really experience each other um, I think some people have, like, had it kind of confirmed. It's, it's almost, how do I say this? Um, you know, <laughs> when, when you reach out and you actually feel other people, you're like, oh, my God, this is actually real? I mean, you know. Yes. You know, yeah, you don't. Real. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Yeah, I think the people have had that experience. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> Why am I crying? Right. Oh, it's because this is real. <laughs> Why, why can't I stop crying? <laughs> it's usually more like it for me, at least. Um, I got an email um, from someone who is still in the broom closet. So she said I could make up uh, her name. So I've decided to call her Wichita, Kansas from Zombieland. You guys will get that referenced. Um, but the email uh, was regarding um, having felt more visible because of the coronavirus, because now more than just her had to be virtual because she is a solitary, right? She is a solitary living in a place where her context, her community does not have a way for her to ritual with other humans. Um, So she's by herself and isolated. And that the irony of COVID was that leveled a playing field almost for her Samhain ritual because it wasn't just her that was isolated. And I know that for myself and my my fellow residents of the House Laughing Brook Senior Center, which is what the upstairs is called, um, <laughs> we have to be virtual this year too. Whereas before because there is a supportive community and there is a group and we were heavily into gathering at each other's homes and covensteads um, I've never had to be 
virtual. And so suddenly I find myself in a position where I have to be virtual, whereas she has only ever been virtual. And this is her way of being included for ritual, whether it's COVID or not. Um, Yeah. It really threw me for a loop. No, I, 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 and I, I, I see that, and I, I, you know, it brings to mind, you know, it just kind of hit me that I, I guess because Rhiannon had students in a number of places, like who would move, you know, throughout, you know, United States or people who actually live in the East Tennessee area, you know, that right. we, I wouldn't necessarily have met them or have seen them, like I could have heard of them, but I might not actually have seen them, you know, if we were still going over there in Asheville to, to her house, like because we're virtual and we're putting that out there. I've met people that are part of my tradition that I didn't even know were real. (laughs) So I'm like, (laughs) Oh, that's really cool to meet new people and make new friends because of this. And, you know, my hope is that when we are actually able to, and my goal, I guess I should say, is that when we are able to actually meet in person again, um, safely is to not lose this virtual aspect, continue on because there are some people who are shut in who were, you know, or a high risk that may still not want to get out or can't get out, you know, and this is a good outreach. Right. Or in reach. Yes. Yes. Yeah, sure. You know, because I mean, we're having to reach inward to ourselves mm-hmm. oh, right, and right, right. kind of bring ourselves to the Salon Rite or any other ritual because we're going to be up here in the senior center for the foreseeable future. So we're going to go through a couple virtual sets and virtual Sabbaths Um But I would like to ask our two younger people, um, our lead antagonist, Neve, and our lead engineer, Bradwick, um, one of you is a noob, the other of you has been raised pagan. How do you both see, and you can rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock, who wants to speak first, but how do you either of you or both of you feel like the COVID epidemic pandemic has changed Samhain for you personally, or what are you seeing or hearing from your friends who are also practitioners? Brad, you go first. Oh, okay. (laughs) Um, Uh, I'm the noob. Um, so I, um, gosh, I I think this time of year anyway, before this time of year for me anyway, before I started down my path, before I started discovering and delving into my craft, this time of year anyway has normally been, uh, seeded with death. Yeah. Over the years, it 
And and I, it just it actually came to my mind today actually um, cause as I was mm-hmm. driving it was um, to work this morning it was cold and um, we haven't had this cold snap yet so this is when it happens and and that cold weather and the breeze and the leaves and and the the light starts to look a little different and it brought it all right. to my mind like oh you know what this time of year typically sucks for me anyway <laughs> yeah. There's been some sort of death either in the family or there's been a family friend or something has happened. Um, Right. So, but this year, because of COVID, and now that I, now that I am practicing and and I am aware of Solon, um, I, I mean, and, and last year I had, you know, a couple things I would do and, you know, this year it was just different. I I had lost uh, my familiar the day before Halloween, um, and so that also changed things for me. So, like my yeah. what I would normally do, where where I would just you know do a, an offering to the ancestors and everything, I was now doing something that was a lot more uh, timely. Um, you know, it had just happened, right. so I am. You know, but on top of that, I'm in COVID era and lockdown. So yeah. when I would normally, you know, call up a friend and say, "Hey, I'm gonna come visit. I need to cry for three days," but I can't do right. that. So, you know, like we, I can't get to my people where I normally would. Um, yes, I can call right. them and I can do the virtual, um, but there's still that. Like interpersonal connection that's missing for me, and so I did. Okay. I sat at the fire pit. I braved the cold. I I sat outside until I <laughs> I, I couldn't take it anymore. I had a I had a teeny, teeny tiny little fire. Um, everything was still wet, so I did my best. But um, it's definitely changed. And and from what I'm hearing from uh, members in my gabo tree. Um, nice. I'm dropping that. If you don't know what it is, listen to the last episode. Um, <laughs> well, we'll talk more next next segment, but keep going. Um, you, you talk know, to your of, people of in tree, your... Right. Uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of emotions rising right now, and we're all just kind of venting at each other, um, which does help in some respect, but I know yeah. that if we were able to actively get together, I think we could accomplish more in a shorter right. amount of time. Right. If, right. So that's that's kind of where I'm at. I got it. Thank you. Neve, what are your thoughts? What are your observances? What's the difference between Samhain's past and and this year's sewing. I think before I say what the Samhain is for me, Samhain, because I'm raised pagan, is a intrinsic part of my pagan identity. Yeah. Um and it's just it's just a massive part of my cultural heritage. That is, just goes beyond what any commercial 
Halloween could possibly explain to anyone. Right. And, I mean, I just have such an emotional tie to it, even though I personally, thank goodness, don't have anyone um, who I has known to cross beyond the veil. So my Samhains end up looking like um, the reverence and worship of the death and veilish deities and spirits of the land. And then it also ends up looking like the, um, the sitting with the people who have come before me who I owe my um, my prosperity to, and mm-hmm. the the pro- the progress that I sit in because of them, whether that mm-hmm. be the suffragettes or the suffragettes or like the immigrants of our family, or right. um, the even the people who haven't died yet, like um, my grandmother, your mother, who yeah, she's pretty much immortal. We're thinking, yeah. I mean, she's immortal, but for the wrong reasons. But I, I mean, mean, I think of her. I think yeah. of her too. I think of her too because she is to me. She is. She's not a present, a present thing for me. But she is right. something that exists in my past and in your past. But I don't have a very strong present relationship with her, and so right. for me, she she almost already exists as an ancestor. So I think about her uh, too. But I that's I also, that's really impressive. Can I just stick a <laughs> pin in that for a hot second because sure. if if what I if I'm hearing you correctly, there is some semblance of virtuality that is veilish and there yeah. is a crossover I like this I like this concept that the veilish can be compared and contrasted to virtual ritual that's yeah. really blowing my mind right now thank you <laughs> no thank um, you that's freaking cool <laughs> Uh, um, so needless to say, Samhain uh, is very, very important to me um, mm-hmm. in Samhain's since past. Um, but more recently, in the past uh, three years, it's become okay. a. It's become. This will be the fourth one in the pattern that I'm about to. Explain. Um, mm-hmm. But in the my Samhains have become a bit more present. I mean, before it's all—it's always been about recognizing the past and what the past means for me, and what I should leave there and what I should take with me. Um, right. But uh, four thousands ago, I was in a awful car crash, right. and then the the and it was on a stormy a stormy night. I mean, a stormy morning night thing, early morning. Um, and then the next Samhain, I was in even, even I was in an even worse car crash, where I rolled my car um, three times and landed in a graveyard on Halloween yeah. morning. Yep. Um, that one, 
that one was a bit rougher for me. And then the next Samhain, the last Samhain, um, you and I were returning from a Samhain wedding that you have invited over. I was your maid. Um, And on our way back in the wee hours of Samhain morning, um, you and I had a uh, spectral experience where we yes. met someone. I think that we we can leave that for another night. Yes, um, we should. Just because <laughs> it's a very, very long conversation, and it's a very interesting one, so I would love to have that at a later date. But yeah. that one was a very rough sound for me because um, – I had I was in the pro I was in the process of having like several weeks worth of panic leading up to Fallon because my car crashes were getting worse and worse and I was right. terrified that driving back uh from Asheville to Charlotte on the wee hours of Fallon during a storm, heavy storm, just like the past two, I was worried that something was going to happen and that it was gonna happen with you in the car before. It was just and I, I was I was so sure that something was going to happen and something did happen. It just didn't end up with me <laughs> totaling a car. And then this sound, I stayed out of a car period. Um, <laughs> but now we've got a global pandemic and nationally 200,000 plus people have died. Right. And I can't spend that holiday with the people that I need um, right. both to comfort myself and to comfort them so that we can interact with the community when we need each other most. Um, right. So, and then there's also the thing that the position that I play in the house, the, I mean, I, it feels, I know this isn't, well, I guess it is kind of the case, but it feels as though your life and the lives of this house right. are uh, hinge on both my inactivity and my activity that I could that you could pass either by me not doing something or me or by me right. doing something that I right. bring you either a pathogen or I bring you a food that will anaphylaxis you into suffocation <laughs> or if right, I don't do right. anything I don't get your meds on time or I don't do this or I don't do that it's anything that I can I operate in a, in a space where if I step out of line either way it could result right. in your and so I don't know it's a prison of another four, kind yeah. yeah the past four have been my, like, my hands actually touch death and the possibility yes. of death in a very tangible way right. that would be my fault. And it's not even like a Kevin Bacon seven degrees of, like, fault. It is, <laughs> one, de- it is one degree of fault, and it is me. And right. so... Right. That's heavy. Hard. This sound for me was hard because it is virtual, and I actually right. spent like no 
time on any kind of virtual surface because I needed to be cerebral. I needed to be with myself because I didn't know um, what to do or say. When I'm like that, I don't tend to go verbal. I tend to go nonverbal. And so Samhain day, I had off of work because I make sure that I have every Sabbath off of work. Um, Mm -hmm. And I cleaned the entire house. <laughs> because I like ain't you, no way I like how you bring it that I'm circle. Gonna, ain't no way I'm gonna have a Sabbath and spirits all up and through my address and it's <laughs> a hot mess. No. So I cleaned the whole house because I need to get my mind right and I can't do that without fixing that fucking scene. So I did that. Right. I cleaned my room, I did my laundry, cleaned the bathroom, the downstairs, the hallways, everything that needed to be cleaned. And I cleaned off my altar. I was standing on a step stool stool because my dresser is very tall compared to me. I cleaned off my altar and I reorganized it. It's beautiful and gorgeous. I'll send you pictures if you'd like. Um, So you feel all structured and organized and right. It's also just it's also just in my head, it's just really profoundly disrespectful to invite somebody to your fucking house and you haven't cleaned. Like, <laughs> oh no. I don't know. Maybe well, I'm just Italian. We we do have a lot of foot traffic here um, we by non-corporeal feet. Um, but that my next um, thank you, Neve, because that was yeah. a perfect segue to a question that I got, um, which I'm going to throw to you, Sirius, because I would love to hear your thoughts on this. I had an unidentified, (laughs) she's a villager. She has been, um, she's now part of the Incantation Nation family, but she has been a longtime uh, regular to the uh, Laughing Brook Spellcrafting and Ancestral Arts, which is our physical meeting space and will be again. All of that is on hold for extenuating circumstantial reasons. But she wanted to remain anonymous for fear of retribution because she said in her message to me that she's really kind of glad that there has been no trick-or-treaters or commercializing of the High Holy Day because she doesn't have to think about all of the running around and the buying of candy and is the porch decorated and all of the non-Sowin Halloween things. And she said, I I don't want to say that because I love trick-or-treating and I love trick-or-treaters. But seriously, though, it is a lot easier to observe the Sabbath um, when you don't have to appease the Muggleverse or Muggle tradition. You can truly hold the holiday and be with the holiday without having to contend with other issues. It does 
put you in a more pagan frame of mind and she's and she states in her message that it actually gave her family a lot more to be grateful for and time to think about how you know 230,000 have passed because of covid and she was able to really appreciate her living and her ancestors equally with more reverence to both because of the absence of the trick-or-treating theme, the commodification of Samhain. What are your your thoughts on that, Sirius? Jeez. Um... (laughs) (laughs) It's a lot, right? It's a neat perspective. Yeah, no, I don't... Well, I think oh, so. I, I think that for someone that did you say that they have children or not? Uh, that was not disclosed. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, I mean, even if you don't, I mean, if, if if you're someone, and I say if you're someone, because I, I don't usually go out and buy all the candy and have the bowl of candy to do the trick or treat thing normally. Um, right. I just haven't lived in spaces in the last. I don't know, 10 years where that really was a thing. Um, I have right. went out in, like, neighborhood with other people to make sure people are safe and stuff like that. Um, right. But, no, I can totally see that. I mean, if, if if this season is all about Halloween for you and the whole commodification of it, is that, is that the right word, commodification? That's the word, right? Yeah. Um, it's so, totally the word. If, 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 if that's what it's been about and all of a sudden you don't have that, I can totally see where, you know, it, I think any time that we are able to slow down and, right. uh, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, you've got your cell phone and you've got your TV and you've got your computer and then right. it snows and the power goes out and then your phone goes dead and you don't have any of that. And all of a sudden, you're in a space of your own head, right? Right. And you're able to see and focus on all the things that you can't see and focus on because we're constantly inundated with this, you know, electronic kind of feed to our brains constantly. And, you know, all of these, uh, the holidays and things, all of the commercialization and stuff is kind of similar to that, right? It's like Yule and Christmas. You know, yeah. we, we sell Christmas, but yet there's this whole Yule aspect, too. And so I think I, I, I kind of think Yule's going to be very similar to that this year. I mean, I think people are still right. going to buy gifts for each other, but are we really going to have huge Christmas parties and do actual virtual presents? I mean, actual real presents? Or are we going to be mailing stuff right. out? So are we going to be, you know, come Yuletide, we're going to be basically with whoever's there with us or by ourselves focusing on yeah. – Sabbath once again. Um, yes. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, now that we have seen the coronavirus spread into places where, you know, back in the spring, the early spring, all it was was New York, New York, New York, 
and one right. New York um, ended its first wave and let it lie. Um, the current Trumpublican regime tried to force this narrative of, well, all of that's over. Um, just because it was over for a second in New York doesn't mean it's not creeping across the country. And so now coronavirus has reached into all of the 50 states plus our territories and commonwealths. And everyone's feeling it now. And everyone is suddenly and very rapidly familiarizing themselves with how do I practice the meaning of the holiday, whether it's Samhain or Thanksgiving or, in in my household's case, um, Hecatesia, which is the feast night for Hecate that happens on November 16th, which we will have the Hecatesia um, ritual on Friday the 20th um, this year podcast. So we're going to honor her on that night instead. Um, But the retail aspects and the commodification of the holidays are actually facilitating a easier way to practice crafts and see and experience our magics um, because we are indoors. We are with family, presumably, housemates, if not, which are also family. Um, And so it's a horrific price to pay to be indoors and shoved into each other's arms as family um, or shoved onto the virtual circles and rituals and rites. But there's a multiple, there's a multiplicity of ways that we can feel about, you know, coronavirus and its effect on pagan practice. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I don't think any of us are. I don't think, I don't think we all feel the same way about it. You know, clearly, those of us that have family that we're quarantining with are going to feel differently about it than people who live by themselves. And I know, especially right. at the beginning, that was huge because you know people who live by themselves weren't able to socialize at all, right? And so, like, there was like yeah. this withdrawal, you know, being able yeah. to actually physically act with people. Um, yeah, right. I think there's going to be a number of ways to feel about this, and I don't feel like that anyone is more right than the other. I think it's subjective to our own experiences. I, you know, um, I mean, I kind of feel like the Grinch a little bit, truthfully. You know, we were talking I, about I, Yule, and it, it reminds me of that moment where he's like, it came without ribbons, it came without tags, it came without packages, boxes, or bags. It's like, you know, like that's kind of where we're at. It's we're in this space where all of this extra stuff that we've added 
you know, isn't as present as it was. And so we're kind of left with ourselves right. and our thoughts and how do we really actually connect with people and what is it that we actually need in order to do that? Right. Well, and you and I had a conversation earlier this week about um, having what is the difference between motivating people to participate in the up or tomorrow's election who mm. are not necessarily feeling like it would make a difference or mm. there's already many people turning out to the polls and I think it comes down to what compels you and what are your motivations? Do you feel compelled? If not, why not? And have conversations about that. And if so, how so? Because I think that without the the din of, um, you know, the the retail commodification of these sabbats and aspects that people are able to look at the the deeper meaning and what it meant to our people who were losing a quarter of a million lives. And by January 1st, we have speculated numbers of half a million, upwards of half a million souls. Ancestrally speaking, and with respect to Samhain, it has longer been the case that we've lost that many souls each year than it has been that we didn't. So mm. are we, in, in, in essence, returning to an age where our survival as a people is suddenly compelling again because mm. the assuredness of family has been stripped away by a virus and exacerbated by apathy, mm. right? And you and I have had that conversation, and I have a feeling, I suspect, and you can tell me your thoughts, but we got to transition to more election conversation. Um, we've lost 230,000. It's going to be half a million souls. Do you believe um, this is going to have a huge impact or no impact, you tell me which, or anywhere in between, on the way people practice Samhain for the next 30 years, a generation or so? What are your thoughts? I hadn't uh, considered the, the question quite like that. Um, I mean, I don't. I can't. I mean, we could we could put a pin I, I, in I it. Can't. I mean, I, just, I I can't imagine that it wouldn't have an effect. I mean, right. I right. It's I, I guess when you're in the middle of a thing. 
it's hard to really recognize how historic that it is. I mean, you can you can see it kind of, right? But that high right. five years from now, ten years from now, you know, when, when it when you're sitting there at Salon, and, and it, you know, and it's like it hits you five years ago, five hundred thousand people died of this pandemic. Yeah. yeah. Right. I yeah. mean. Yeah. It's, it's, well, I that, that yes, it would have an effect for Salwin, but I, I feel like right. that when we're able to actually process this, it's going to have an effect us in general and right. how we connect and the importance of connecting and staying connected. Um, Yeah, you don't want off. You don't want off. Maybe all tens of Gs. Right. Right. No, I know. I mean, all yeah, right. It's, um, I mean, it, I, it's 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 a lot to think about, and I've it, had it a is. couple angry feedback I mean, it, from from listeners that um, it's it's going to you know it's it's going to have repercussions for decades and it's it's going to have it's going to break relationships and in some cases break families and reunite stronger families in some aspects and and I'm sure that we'll have a show um, dedicated to families of choice and what that means. Um, but I want to share. Like, so like we can. The, the, you're talking about like like the political ramifications or like the actual deaths themselves. Well, I think I, I don't want to I don't want to stray too much into okay. Friday's conversation or conversation we're going to have oh, uh, the okay, following okay. Friday. Uh, the sure. 13th, Friday the 13th might be a better time to discuss that <laughs> topic, but it's it's something to think about longer term, how what we're going through now and the decisions we make now play out for the next generation. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. But I, I, guess. I wanted to transition to the election topic and I know that uh, I've got my coven sister, Sakosha, is on the line, um, uh-huh. and I wanted to offer a demographic and then hear her call because she shared something today with our coven mates that um, that I think pertains to the this statistic. And, Bradwick, we have Sakosha, correct? Yes, Sakosha is here. Okay, Sakosha. Hey, how are you, sweetheart? Hello. Hello. Uh, I'm, so, I'm okay. You know. I know. I know. Let me let me put this to your brain hole. Before we got on the show, I traditionally comb last minute news so that I can share with the group. Um, what I've heard and how it connects to what I've been researching and reading and processing in between my magical practice. 
And I heard on this one uh, show that the gender breaks of early voting, so in all of the states that have early voting, um, they're they're all reporting an average that of all the early votes cast, 55% of them are women and 45% of them are men. And I wanted, and I saw the parallels between your and my discussion and this statistic, and it was just like, okay, so this can't be ignored. Let's talk about this. Um, so I'm glad that, that you're on with us and you're willing to share this, but why do you think it is that there's a larger percentage of women coming out to vote and carpool each other to the polls, whereas we're seeing a 45% from uh, men. What do you, you think know, about I that? I wonder, and I, and I hate to go with uh, gender stereotypes with this, but, I mean, we have to accept that that is part of the world we live in. That I wonder if a lot of it has to do with there are more women that are at home with their kids who are doing school from home and virtual learning, um, that they right. have more of an opportunity to be able to take that time during the week and, and on a, or, or like a weekday that, right. um, I mean, that might be part of what's happening or maybe, um, you know, we're just a very smart gender and we know it's safer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there there could Agreed. be like you know there are many many aspects to it. it it's just yeah, or it may be that um, we are more driven right now because we know what's at stake for us. Um, so we yeah. are lining up at the polls um, because we have a lot of things on the line and we're very very threatened. Our rights are very threatened right now. Um, well, it could be a lot of bring up this point to you because I thought it was interesting and we can segue into, into the dynamic that popped up for you today. Um, mm. Fielded this question with a couple other male friends. Um, and the conversation happened along these lines that the reason why we're seeing fewer men at the polls is for either the preservation of a system that serves their privilege or mm. a disenfranchisement um, by my male friends of color who are like, this system has never worked for me. So on the one hand, we have this system doesn't work for me. I'm, I'm not going to participate in it. And then the other side of the coin being that I'm not as motivated as a white male with privilege to go to the polls because, I mean, I'm happy for things to stay the way they are. I don't want. Well, whatever, whatever happens, it doesn't, it doesn't affect them on the level it affects us. I'm not saying that they don't care because we have a lot no, of right. allies who are, are, are Absolutely. cis you know, men who totally would have our back 100%. Um, 
but at their yeah. core, their daily lives are not affected to the level of people of color, of people who are um, of the LGBTQ community, even white right. women. I mean, we're definitely not in the same demographic as a lot of marginalized groups, but it still it affects us. I mean, we're looking at losing our, our right to choose. So, it, you know, you being right. a straight white male, you're not going to be affected to that level as a lot of other people. Right. Right. So if you, if you want, let's talk about the side that we should, because we are both women who enjoy white skinned privilege. Um, mm, yeah. Cause I don't want to go having a part of the conversation that is not mine to have, but I, I, sexism is real. Racism is yeah. real. And mm. 55% of the early voters are women because of this fear of being told you will carry every pregnancy to term and the indentured regardless regardless on the on how that pregnancy happened or your health right right so it truly is a life or death issue for us outside of even the COVID influence, um, but 55% of the vote are women who are motivated not just to preserve their own rights, but to preserve the right to vote and choose a president, not just a pregnancy. Do you see right. what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. why don't you share with the group what frosted your ass today? Because I think they will be able to relate. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really, this is why I wanted to call in because I do feel like there are a lot of people out there listening to this right now. And a lot of members of the village that are experiencing the same, the same thing that I'm going through and it did frost my flakes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> my, my, my sister's husband and I, I don't, I'm going to speak speak freely on this, and I don't really care if any of them get wind of this because it's not okay, and I will say this to his face. So you know what? If my brother or some other family member tunes in and happens to relay the shit I'm about to talk, go ahead. Um, (laughs) You're about to talk through. I don't think any of it's shit, but you go ahead and lay down the law. My sister's husband... um, decided that he was going to vote for the Cheeto. Right. Even though he is fully aware that this person is an imbecile. He does not think Trump has done a good job. He does not. He, he believes COVID is real. He's not an anti-masker. He is not anti-gay marriage. He's not. I mean, he's an old school traditional Republican. He is not a Trump a Trump Republican, but he decided to vote for Trump strictly because him, as a straight white middle class male with two children, does not believe that abortion should be legal. So never mind the fact that Donald Trump has killed hundreds of thousands of Americans 
because he didn't take control of a global pandemic. That's fine. Right. But right. a 16-year-old girl who gets raped by her uncle can't have an abortion because it's God's will. Tell me how that makes any sense at all. Right. And my sister chose not to vote at all. Now, why Which do you part think of me thinks that's, that's slightly worse? Well, right, because on the one hand, you know, brother-in-law, who shall remain unnamed, brother-in-law mm-hmm. has decided to make this vote about the maintenance of control bodies of women or childbearing yep. people. And instead of standing up for the rights of all of us, has chosen to vote because he's compelled by his pregnancy politics. And then your sister's voice is silenced because she Uh sees her husband casting a vote, and this is all speculation. I don't know the ins and outs of their mm. relationship, but it seems kind of coincidental that this man, instead of taking responsibility for what matters to him in terms of men's issues, decides that what a woman does with her body is his issue, but also his partner, your sister, goes silent. I mean, that is in a microcosm, the world that is planned for us. If we lose yep. this voice, this voice and this vote, because, you know, Incantation Nation is all about supporting voices and being an advocate for people is about raising your voice. And we've said that your voice can be a revolution and your sister surrendered her voice and her husband availed himself of his Trump-given prerogative to take that choice away from women. Yes. And and this is is where... I'm sorry, go ahead. Did you did you explode on your sister? What happened? Or what happens now? I haven't I haven't I haven't spoken to my sister or my brother in law at this point because I found this out maybe about six o'clock this evening. Five mm-hmm. or six o'clock this evening. And I had to take a little time and kind of think about it and process it because right. I'm kind of at a crossroads at this point, and I I know that I'm not the only person. I know there are other people listening to this that are in this same situation. That yeah. where where do you go? What where's your jump off point from here? Do you do you and you know me? I'm not the stay silent kind of person. If I'm <laughs> if I'm pissed, you're gonna you're gonna know it. And yeah. but this is my family, and I love them. Like I love my sister very much, and I I love her husband. This is where we're getting into. We're crossing into crossing over boundaries that I don't 
that I can't accept. And at what yeah. point do you say, like, hey, I, I can't, I can't deal with you at, on this level if you can't find that common ground with your family? And where right. do you, when do you start cutting ties? And when do you start looking? Or, and when do you start? I hate to say you quote the Bible, but turn the other cheek. You know what I mean? It's like. Do you do you no. keep your mouth shut? Do you bite your tongue in order to be able to have a peaceful Thanksgiving? Or do you say, fuck you, your shit is stupid, I don't agree with you, and if you don't like it, then I'm done with you. Where where do you where's the crossroads in that? Which path do you take? Right. Right. And it's it's a huge amount of stress because you're caught between this COVID issue of mortality that Neve's talking about and that, you know, uh, Sirius experienced in March when he lost his mother, but yet understood that his parents are reunited and, you know, on the other side together now. There's this COVID imperative almost for us to appreciate the living, but then you see this line where people are willing to cross that. And instead of speaking up, you're right, for the quarter of a million, soon to be half a million, as the country surges again um, into these COVID numbers, how, how do you preserve a family when someone will not advocate for the 230,000 lost, but will cast a vote just to take a political stand on an issue for a theoretical life that hasn't even begun yet and won't be, you know, his personal issue to bear the burden of. It's the hypocrisy is exhausted and how how do we grapple with those issues exactly this this isn't even an issue that he will ever have to deal with right and yet he feels that he has to take a stance and make a political statement on something that will never ever affect his life do you think he's do you think he's using this right to choose argument as cover, as an excuse to vote for Trump and preserve the way of life that he has been accustomed to. Do you think he's hiding well, there, behind there, it? There are numerous other issues he could have taken a stance with to side with Trump other than this one. Right. I mean, just the easiest one, the economy. You know, I mean, he could have just used that as his standing point. I mean, not that it. I mean, it. it, it I mean, and he could do the 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 Trump argument of look at the economy pre-COVID, and that would have at least given him a slight like peg leg to stand on, as right. far as arguments go. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm saying slight. I mean, I don't. Yeah. You you know what I'm saying. I do. This I is do. not the this is not the hill he should be dying on for this man. 
It, it just right. doesn't make any sense. I mean, it really just like it. I, I'm I'm disappointed and I'm angry because yeah. he's not a bad person. He's not. He's right. actually a very kind person. He's actually a very good husband to my sister. He's a really good father. But this, I am just struggling with. Whenever I heard this, I felt like I had been punched in the gut. And I just right. that he would put everything that he knows that this man has done wrong right. aside, just for this one right. issue that has absolutely no effect on his life whatsoever. And to that. To that point, um, I will offer a conversation that I have because I have to maintain some semblance of receptivity to having conversations with folks who are willing to hear my perspective and whose perspective I'm willing here and I had a conversation um, with one of those folks who is not a practitioner of craft so I suppose you could say he's a somewhat soft support as a pagan ally but I think he just found me charismatic and I think that were it to come down to personal politics, he wouldn't necessarily vote for my religious freedom, just his own. But I was writing some scathing indictment on my personal page, as I often do. And <laughs> I got a, I, you know, I don't keep my yeah. opinions to myself in any case. Because my voice is a goddamn revolution, that's why. Um, but I got a private message and she says, and I'm going to quote, every criticism you have of Trump is hollow. Uh, tell me oh, why. I, yeah, tell I, me. <laughs> I know. Right. And then finish uh, it off uh-huh. with how you doing girl been a while. Take care. So what I would like to do is read my response to that person because it may be something that, you know, there's no copyright laws on it, y'all. So if any of you are out there and you are face-to-face with Trumpublicans and that being able to maintain the conversation um, is going to be key to getting folks in the process to vote tomorrow if they haven't, Um, but also to make family get-togethers, if they even have them or their household is having them, how to make the Thanksgiving meal or their Yule ritual tolerable if you know that they have certain views. And so I would like to offer my response to this person as maybe a pseudo script for those who are about to endure a really hard um, winter with families on the other political side. So here's my response. I have watched Donald Trump epitomize greed, abuse, and fraudulence all my life. 
I am from a large city adjacent to New York City, and I bore direct witness to his hatred, his worthless record of dishonorable conduct, business and otherwise, and his lethal levels of cruelty and abject selfishness. I have 40 years of experience watching this monster and his path of destruction and debauchery. It's a matter of public record now. It's not my job to provide you or anyone with copies of my research or what I've witnessed or what I feel. I love you, but you should really take the time to move past the scripted, quote, hollow self-image that he promotes and truly see the wreckage of his and his dysfunctional family that his unbridled cruelty and his bottomless need to punish have borne. Nothing he has ever done resulted in a family being better off. In four years, I don't know a single person who has gotten a pay raise or their safety of their children or women isn't assured, and he sure as hell hasn't polished the reputation of the United States as a country of the highest standard. He is a monster, and history has nothing other than the destruction, greed, and death that his family and his administration has left in their wake to show for that. My love to your family. And then he sends me a thumbs up. <laughs> and I oh. said, yeah, okay. Because the only conversation I could have with him that would make it real for him is if I said, have you seen, I almost gave his name away just then, has, is, has there been an additional chicken in every pot with this administration? No. Have any of my friends nope. personally seen the benefits of a booming economy? No. I don't know mm-hmm. anyone who's gotten a job in the past four years because of something they could directly attribute to Trump. And oh his first year in office absolutely nothing had changed for me, job or income or anything else. And I had to pay out of pocket for federal income tax for the first time in over fifteen years. Yes. 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 So when I bring it home to folks that are arguing the Trump-publican platform, they're so busy being on the defensive in order for them to hear past that narrative and that force-fed rhetoric, you have to ask questions like, Have, has anyone in your family personally gained something because of this 
administration? Have they gained a right because of something he did or something that was being suppressed by other presidents except for him? No. Has he provided a pay raise to any of us? No. But have taxes gone up for poor people? Yes. So find yourself face-to-face with working-class folk who are struggling. I would just recommend that you ask, has any of what he's done in the past three years, four years of his impotence, I mean administration, benefited (laughs) you or, or your family? And that's when they start to consider the validity of what you're saying because it suddenly has personal relevance. And I know a lot of people are stressed out this evening because tomorrow is the day, right? For those of you who carried your ballots to a polling place and dropped them off, to those of you who are in quarantine and had to give your ballots to, <clears throat> you know, the one of the 55% of women who's caravanning some senior citizens to the polling place and taking the ballots to turn into the ballot official. I mean, I salute you. I salute you. And serious to the conversation you and I had earlier today not about finger wagging in the faces of your family. It's not about finger wagging in the faces of dug in Trumpublicans. It's about what compels you. What compels you to vote and really take inventory of your personal values. And I had a heart-to-heart with my, my fellow resident in the senior center because with the tension and stress that we're all under tonight, there's been uh, stress, maybe a crossword exchanged or frustration, and we all know why it's happening. And... I said, I'm I'm not, my line for transgression has moved to one of sharp contrast because the line for who's with, you know, life is one place and who has this callous disregard for the future, truly, if you want the species to endure, it's time to take a chance on doing something different than what's been done in the past four years, let alone the past 11 months. If we are to move from apathy 
into a place of action, let it be because we are willing to take a chance that this new guy, who really isn't new, he's been a servant for 50 years to the people, cannot get any worse than the half a million souls that will, by January 1st, have been sacrificed callously and needlessly. Let that compel you. Let that be the bottom of what we're willing to tolerate. And that alone should be compelling enough to bring you forward into this moment where it makes more sense to save lives by voting for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris because they could not possibly do worse than 500,000 people dead that did not have to be. And I don't just say this because I can't come out of quarantine until this is handled. I say this because I want my daughters to have choices about how the rest of their lives play out. And I want my pagan people to not have to mourn so many dead at Samhain and feel the absence of that corporeal magic that we are only glimpsing in the virtual. It will be so much more costly If we don't, and for me, the chance that electing Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, if I weren't already voting for them, I was really watching the death toll, and I wanted to choose life, even if Joe and Kamala saved one life. That's one more family member, friend, spark that has been stewarded forward by our ancestors that can continue. And I want people to take inventory of their loved ones and let these lessons be wisdom to them, pagan, non-pagan alike. But who I'm talking to now are the non-voters, the disenfranchised voters. Please look up and see the abject suffering and fear and anger. And if you are at all unclear about what that feels like, you simply need to stand in the black winds that go through the trees at night, that signal the coming of the dark of the year and the sound of lives lost. And you will be quickly, intimately 
brought into contact with what the reaping actually means, what the claiming of souls and the harvesting of souls really implies. And I want folks to be compelled to give a chance to life and stop what is happening and stop the loss of someone's loved one, even if it's not your loved one, to let life and the beauty of that be what compels you. And with that, I want to thank all of you for listening to this very special Salon slash Election Eve podcast. I would like to remind you that we are meeting up again for more processing of the uh, this election season um, on Friday at 8 p.m. live. But I would like to close with a poem that was thrust in the forefront of my brain, this incantation I had written months ago, um, and it was shoved in my face by Odin the Allfather. Why? Because it was an incantation I wrote to him, and he doesn't like to be left out and continuously and arrogantly throws himself in my face, not to be ignored. But since Hella opened, I thought I would close with something compelling. And then, Bradwick, you can put us to bed when we're done. Hail Odin, all father. To mark this day of struggle, I offer you my everlasting gratitude All Father, I thank you for my village and my nation. As you gave your eye to the well for wisdom and your life for the mysteries, you required me to give up my old life, and I thank you for it. An old life full of oaths betrayed, of loyal friends proven disloyal, and false passion that only ran skin deep. A life that I toiled to build, a life I made deep investments of spirit to, a life that held such richness as well as such painful cost. And I thank you for it all. But what was lost, wanderer, gave way to freedom and gifts that I could not have truly foreseen, which your wisdom guided. What I have received, all Father, I am so deeply grateful for. What we have made, all Father, I am so deeply moved by to build and grow and love our village has changed me 
forever, and I thank you. My previous life is just a memory. I now have family to stand with through Ragnarok and through this test. A family to fight, defend, and raise horns with in your longhouse. A family whose love could power the sun. A family whose magic could enchant the moon. A family whose art honors Freya, the first vulva. A family I am so grateful to share home with. A village that I am overjoyed to create frith with. A nation across borders and oceans to owe allegiances and bond with. A global kindred I am so proud to claim as my own. I raise my horn to you, Odin Alfader, Grimnir the Grey, to pay thanks to you. I push forward with your hand on my shoulder. I push forward with beloved and loyal kindred at my side. I push forward to advance our pagan people through these struggles together. And I push forward to mark what has been, to pay for what is, and to pursue that which is so promised to us. All Father, guide us to grow stronger still, for we have a hall to raise. We have a culture to reform. We have a future to build. And we have allies to find. Hail the old ways. Hail to these new lands of the future, and hail to you, all-father, nation, village, heaven, and self. So saith I, Hedera Bindwood, Gisya to my people, and Encantress to the Incantation Nation podcast. With that, We will hear you again on Friday, my loves. Please be well, and please use your voice. Bradwick, take us to bed.
But now's the time to ditch this skin and be who I am Some people just don't understand You can keep your devil art dance with Pan For I will fly free But I will rise I will dance with the fairy queen Beneath the silver moon I will taste the honey mead And chant the witch's room My heart with the pulse of the land Witness now the union of chalice and of blade Of life and death and life again the union is made By power of land and of sea By power of will so mote it be 